Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back to FST. It's hour number two. Mike Blewett and Joe Galena. First time ever for us to do an entire show together, Joe. I think the first hour went well. How would you grade it? Would you give us like a like somewhere on a B range, or, or are we going we're going for like a four here? What do we got? Four baby. Four yeah, We're making that's, radio that's, history. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we're gonna have Emory Hunt coming up in about twenty minutes. He'll do some NFL draft stuff with us. Uh, Emory can be found on Twitter at fballgameplan, and is a really just sharp draft analyst. He and I have done uh, a myriad draft shows together in past years. He currently works for The Athletic, uh, and he also does some uh, additional broadcasting as well, so we'll get into that when he's on here in the next 20 minutes, but uh, it is that time of year, Joe. We had a little bit of a lull after the combine, but now uh, it's fast and furious with draft talk, and we can apply it to fantasy, but we can just talk NFL in general. What is your thought process on what the Cardinals are going to do? I haven't heard your take on it. Do you think they stand pat and they are driving up the draft price for Kyler Murray? Or do you think that this is really what they consider to be a match made in heaven and they're going to deal Rosen and draft Murray? What are your thoughts? I'm thinking that they deal Rosen and, and, and draft Murray. I mean, uh, you know, Kingsbury, uh, while he was still a college coach, you know, was talking uh, Murray up. And, uh, you know, uh, Rosen's not his guy, let's face it. I mean, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see where Rosen uh, ends up. I mean, uh, hey, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. Uh, if I'm the Giants and, uh, you know, he's not not going to cost him too much in a trade, maybe like a third-round pick or, or something, I mean, you know, I don't know what you feel that, uh, you know, his value is, uh, Mike, but uh, it's tricky. the Giants— yeah. It's tricky because they, they are having to play both sides of this now, saying mm-hmm. that— here is my thoughts. When I, t- I talked with George Kurtz about this probably six weeks ago or so, and I just the thought process of the Cardinals to bring a brand-new NFL head coach in here, a guy that got fired by a college program less, you know, just a few months ago, to have him come in here, you would have to understand that you're taking this job to work with Josh Rosen during the interview process. That has to be part of it, that Mm -hmm. I can come in here and get Josh to where he is a quality NFL starter. The talents there, we just surrounded him with a terrible offensive line and bad play calling, and we fired offensive coordinators, and the head coach was a bad fit from the start. He was literally set up to fail last year. So now... During the interview process, you have to accomplish the goal of finding a guy that can work with Rosen. 
the guy can't come in there and say, hey, we have Murray available. I think we should deal. Like, that can't be part of the interview. You can't come in there and trash the current starter. The thought process has to be to work with Rosen. Now, if things have changed and the general manager thinks that, well, we've watched as much as we can watch on Rosen and we think Murray is an upgrade, then I guess that can happen. It just seems odd to me that this is all coming together because Kyler Murray decided to play football. Mm. But uh, I I agree with you. But at the same time, uh, you know, the the actions of of the Cardinals uh, might have led Kingsbury to believe that, hey, you know, they they might be able to be convinced if I tell them, uh, look, you know, I, I feel that we have a better chance of becoming a winning team quicker uh, without Rosen. You know, I mean, look yeah. look what they did. I mean, they got rid of their, their head coach after one year. I mean, uh, so it doesn't really – it's it doesn't seem – to some, for someone looking at this team from the outside, that they had a really good plan in mind. They clearly did, did not. I, I mm. look. I, I think Steve Wilkes was put in a really bad scenario. But yes. I will say this: when he was hired last year, I didn't like the hire, not because of Steve Wilkes. I didn't like mm-hmm. the hire because you are hiring a first-time defensive-minded head coach to work with a team that was basically ripped down to the studs outside of David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, and a brand-new rookie quarterback, uh, Patrick Peterson notwithstanding. So for them to pit a defensive coordinator, have him work with Mike McCoy, and they hadn't worked together before, and then make a change after a month because McCoy wasn't working out, Wilkes was in an impossible situation. There wasn't enough talent there, and – it was the last hire of the season. I just thought that they hired the guy whose name had come up enough times. And I thought it was bad for Rosen. I thought it was bad for Wilkes. I just didn't like the whole situation. So that's part A of the plan going wrong. Part B is the lack of talent that we're protecting the players like Rosen and David mm-hmm. Johnson. And now part number three is taking a guy who's – a hot offensive mind, but really, honestly, he did just get fired for not being productive in college. Uh, Mm -hmm. He, in fact, had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Uh, He sort of lost them in the recruiting process or had them on campus and they left campus. So to some extent, he wasn't even successful keeping those guys around Uh, or. Yeah. So but he did work with Pat Mahomes, and I think that's what people fell in love with. This is the guy that made Mahomes. That's what mm-hmm. people are attributing to Cliff Kingsbury. So I don't know that it's going to work out, but this is going to be the really most curious part. It is tough for them. They are trying to have to play both sides. Maybe they are just driving the price up, but as you sift through all of it, you still think that maybe they just have this love affair with Murray. I, I honestly think that the Giants should be on the phone with them. I think that's a second or third round pick that they have to give up, and mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer for them. Then they don't yeah. actually ha- – well, first of all, the Giants are a mess right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think That's so. obvious. And they're, al- they're, <laughs> yeah. already, they're already throwing out the Eli can still play stuff. Like you mm-hmm, see those mm-hmm. stories are circulating. And I do think – I've said before, I think the Eli bashing has gotten out of control. It isn't all his fault. But it is time to move on. Not everybody is going to play Tiller 40 like Breeze and Brady. Eli can hang in there. He could stick around till 40. But guys are not all going to be effective until they're 42. You know what I mean? 
we mm-hmm. have to make decisions still based historically on how long guys last and how they start to break down and everything else. I think playing quarterback has gotten easier. I, that that may be a controversial pl- opinion, but I actually think it's easier to play quarterback now than ever before. The yeah, the way the offenses are run, protection, yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in that sense, yes, guys can play longer, but I think it is it's enough to it's it's he's had a great run. He's been the starting quarterback for 15 years. It's okay to move on. And it's not offensive to Eli to say that we're mm-hmm. going to go in a new direction. You can stick on the team this year. We're going to make this trade for Rosen. And there's going to be a QB competition. It's all right to, for him mm-hmm. after 15 years to have to earn his $22 million salary. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, as a Giants fan, you know, I, I love Eli. He the, the brought us the two Super Bowls, uh, you know, two Super Bowl MVPs. You know, some of it was – you really can't call it luck when you win two Super Bowl MVPs, but the Tyree catch, you know, off the helmet and whatnot. But I agree yeah. with you. Look, you know, the guy, uh, his uh, – He's not. He's not the guy that he once was, and who it is? You know. Uh, you know. Yeah. When you look at a guy from twenty-five to whatever you know, thirty-eight years old, uh, right. I agree with you. You know. Uh, Look, he's had some issues, obviously, with the offensive line. But even when he has had time to throw, look, he's not making crisp, uh, crisp throws anymore. Um, I don't think he should have ever been uh, uh, benched for Geno Smith. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, maybe an- another uh, uh, young quarterback, sure. But uh, look, but but here's a question for you. Let's say if they do trade for for Rosen, do you think yeah. they uh, should make it a competition and not make it a situation where almost like Eli's transition, where Kurt Warner, uh, you know, w- w- was the starter for you know like a quarter or a half of the season? I don't remember. Yeah, but, yeah. It's uh, like seven, and then Rosen was. Games. But in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it's a little bit of a different situation because Rosen has several starts under his belt now. Yes, but, uh, yes. The, the goal really would be to have Rosen in there if you're making that mm-hmm. move. You're not going to have Rosen from day one mm-hmm. to learn from Eli. <laughs> you, you can bring him in here in April. By August, he should be ready to play. He's already played. And he was thought to be he was a first round draft pick last year. I think I think what's happening to him sort of in the media circles is unfair because it puts for a guy who was set up to fail last year. It's putting him in a bad light as if he's been a failure. It isn't his Mm -hmm. fault. I, I can't tell you for certain that Josh Rosen is going to be a lockdown starter. But I also can't tell you about Sam Darnold and Josh Allen or anybody else. I can't, you know, or Lamar Jackson, for that matter. Baker's the only right. one that, like, hey, man, he did it on the field. The resume is there, and you probably feel better about Baker than any of these guys, and I would have told you to draft Arnold first last year. So uh, the only thing I'd say is if the Giants are grading this year's quarterbacks and they obviously graded Rosen last year and he comes out ahead of all of these guys, then they got to make that move. Give up a second-round pick, trade down in the first round of the draft, get multiple picks, and build this team back up. I just think that's the way to go, personally, but there's a lot of factors there. I, I The what? Beckham thing makes no sense, especially on the heels of them signing uh, Golden Tate and giving him money. Right. It makes no sense. They could have they could have drafted a quarterback or traded for Rosen this year, had an offense surrounding him, and then just hammered defense for the next two offseasons in order to get mm-hmm. better. Instead, now it looks like they're going to waste the early part of Saquon Barkley's career. 
that's the scary part as a Giants fan. You know, uh, running backs, uh, what, typically have, what, five to seven prime years, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Saquon, but it's it's a, definitely a concern. Uh, and, and back to Rosen. Let's say, let's say, you know, a second round or third round pick for Rosen, and uh, let's say it doesn't work out. Let's say uh, the Giants still end up 3-13. and 13. Well, then they could just say, you know, cut ties. And supposedly, isn't uh, next year's quarterback class a lot stronger than this year's? You're going to have Tua Tungavailova. You'll have yeah. Jalen Hurts. You're going to have some guys in there. Uh, if you still like uh, the guy from uh, Oregon, uh, Hebert. Yes, Justin Herbert. I don't know Herbert. if you still like him. Yeah. Justin Herbert. Herbert. Uh, yeah. he's, he could be there. There were thoughts that he was going to be a first-round draft pick this year, but mm-hmm. he – he decided to go back. It's fine. Uh, I, I think he'll only improve his status. So, you know, these, you look you, to your point about guys only having a, a small window like that, that really as talented as Saquon Barkley is, you can't assume that he's going to have a 12 or 15 year career. You can't. So I, I just think that when Not you everybody's pick him, Frank Gore. The, right. When you pick him, <laughs> that's right. When you pick him second, that means that you – so here's the problem with the whole thing. We, we've talked about the Giants so much recently, but it is important to know. When you're drafting Saquon Barkley second and signing Nate Solder in the offseason, I can tell from the outside that you think you're going to win now. Yes. That's what that draft pick means. And mm-hmm. it wasn't – it's not honest. That is not having integrity about your roster. The Giants were not a team that could win a championship last year. Going into the season, you knew that. But they thought yes. that they could. And it all fell apart really quick. And then they had to rip it all down. And there was no reason to do the Odell thing. Everything related to Odell, they got wrong. Um, and I don't I need to belabor that. But that's really the issue. So you thought you could win now. And a few months later, you're like, well, I don't know. If, I don't think we can win right now. We probably shouldn't have drafted this running back that we pay a whole bunch of money to, and we can't really win with him. Mm-hmm. It's not Saquon's fault. He's uber-talented, but they didn't need to do it. So anyway, uh, that plays into the whole draft thing with the Giants. I, I do think they should be a team that could consider Rosen move back for multiple picks. You have a lot of teams in the NFL draft this year, Cardinals included, that may be looking to move down. You know, the Niners could, but it seems like the Niners are obsessed with getting one of these defensive linemen. Ed Oliver had a an impressive pro day the other day. Ed Oliver, the defensive lineman out of Houston. Uh, he was a top prospect out of high school. He was productive at Houston. There was an incident with the coach earlier this year that I don't think is going to follow him into the draft. I think it actually had an impact in the way he was being evaluated early in the draft process. But after people see these workouts, go back and look at the tape, I think they're going to realize that he is a top 10 talent and he is a guy that could probably rise to draft boards uh, and be a top five pick, maybe even as high as number two to the Niners, who are have really hammered defensive line in drafts in recent years, but look like they're looking for another one and somebody that can, uh, you know, continue to add to the pass rush. They added D Ford this offseason, so maybe that takes care of it. But uh, again, uh, a lot of different types of defensive, a lot of teams looking for defensive linemen. Yes. It's a particularly deep draft as well. Yeah, that's a, you know, defensive line <laughs> important, offensive line important. Everyone, you know, focuses on, you know, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and obviously the, the, the running backs, but uh, you, you need uh, a solid defensive line, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Dallas Cowboys made a trade uh, for Robert Quinn earlier this week, addressing their defensive mm-hmm. line woes. 
the Cowboys working on uh, an extension for Demarcus Lawrence. So uh, let's see what, what's the latest. Yeah, they have the franchise tag on him. It's going to cost him at least twenty nine point six million to franchise him a third time if they were to do it next year. So projected contract details for him would look like a six year one hundred thirty two million dollar deal. Wow. Would you do that for Demarcus Lawrence? Yeah, the guy of his talent. I think I would. Yeah, uh, Jadavian Clowney, six years, one thirty-eight is kind of the projection you're looking at there too. So yeah. those are a couple of big defensive linemen that will impact how teams are dealing with it. Uh, dealing with this offseason. Is that somebody that can get to free agency next year? Dallas, I think, is just locked in. They have to figure something out with Lawrence because they got nothing else. Randy Gregory, obviously, indefinitely suspended. This Robert Quinn thing is patching up some holes, but that isn't your strategy. You need to Marcus Lawrence back in here. I agree wholeheartedly, man. Uh, yeah. like, uh, you know, couldn't say it much better, my, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so we got, we got Emery Hunt coming up here. We're going to do NFL draft stuff. Uh, what is one thing for you personally that you get excited about for the NFL draft? Uh, watching uh, the uh, commissioner get booed. <laughs> See his reaction. <laughs> it's like he, he, uh, Stern, David Stern was always good about it with the NBA draft because it was a uh, it was always a uh, done with a wink and a nod and kind of a it was a running joke. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously not a joke with Goodell. A lot of mm. people out there dislike the guy. He takes up a lot of bullets for the owners, uh, and I, he's not particularly good in front of the media. So, Makes money for hurts. him. <laughs> It'll be in Nashville this year. Yeah. should be a big party there. Yeah. That draft is just uh, 20, party town. 25 days away. So we'll have Emery Hunt to, um, after the break to talk about it. Yeah, so we'll be right back on FST. Mike Blue, Joe Galena with Emery Hunt coming up next. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. I like that. I like that. Yeah, sound dope. You want to fight? Come fight me. I hit you with the Wow, a little Shaq Boo. Let's get it started. Who, what, who better to enter the arena to this song than my man Emery Hunt? Uh, you can find Emery Hunt on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Uh, right through the athletic as well. He and I have done a ton of draft coverage together, so we're excited to have you on. What's up, Emery? A little Shaq Fu for you. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, so we were just talking about the whole Kyler Murray thing, what the Cardinals are going to do, all that kind of stuff. We, we can talk about that as well, but I want to kick it off because Ed Oliver had this uh, really impressive pro day. You and I talked about him really early in the process about how we thought that everybody would kind of come back to their senses and not worry about uh, can he play at this weight in the NFL and what happened with the coach down in Houston. We thought that stuff would wipe away. Uh, 
And I would gather, my guess is that we will start to see him rise from what's being projected to be kind of a mid-first-round pick into that top ten. Do you feel the same way? Definitely. I think his floor, honestly, is Buffalo. If if he's on the clock when Buffalo is there at pick nine, I think they'd be hard-pressed to pass him up. So I think we're starting to see now people come to their senses, like you said, because remember, prior to this season, he was everybody's easily first pick overall. It didn't matter who was yeah, who was, that's right. who would have first pick. It was Ed Oliver, and you know. And so now to see him just drop a little bit, but then start to rise, he always been a top ten talent. And I think we'll see that come draft night. Hey, Emery, uh, Joe, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, so. Uh, it- Wide receivers in the draft. I mean, uh, DK Metcalf getting uh, uh, lots of attention. Uh, you know, he's got the the physique of a, of a he-man, of course. But uh, a couple of the guys that I've uh, noticed that are being projected as uh, potential first-round uh, targets uh, in the draft, like a Hakeem Butler or a Paris Campbell. Who do you think uh, would be a uh, first-round wide receiver that might have uh, an the uh, easiest transition in, into uh, an NFL scheme? That's a great question. I think it would be any one of your slot receivers. So you look at Paris Campbell, like you mentioned, A.J. Brown of Ole Miss. Those guys, to me, would have the easier transition because they're going to be the third option in an offense. They're going to find themselves against third cornerbacks, and they're going to be able mm-hmm. to pick and choose where they, where they settle down in zone and get the ball and utilize their great run out of the catch skills. So I think it's the slot receivers having the more more immediate impact over the guy that you're going to see lined up on the outside. It's a really good point. So many, I think people underrate how more, how much more complex NFL schemes can be for receivers and how they have to learn the route tree, obviously develop chemistry with the starting quarterback. I think that is an underrated part of evaluating the wide receivers. People just see that, for example, DK Metcalf uh, blows the combine apart Mm-hmm. But we really don't know, Emery, what his ability will be to ingest and then produce in an NFL offense. The physical talent is a given. Those are table stakes for all wide receivers. His is an elite level, but we don't really know the other stuff that comes with it. We saw an old Miss wide receiver in Laquan Treadwell who has not made the transition, for example. Yeah, and it's you never really know with these guys as far as what offense you're going to go to? That always adds a, a little bit of a, a little bit of um, guesswork to it, you know. So, and you look at guys like Andy Isabella. It, would he be better suited to play on the outside, or would he fit in, let's say, um, the Browns' offense, or would you rather see him in the Saints' offense, or the Rams' offense, or the Patriots' offense? So, it all goes to where you go, and I think certain teams really utilize the slot position well. You see how a guy like Cooper Cup thrived uh, in the slot for yeah. the Los Rams. And, mm-hmm. you know, you saw how Cole Beasley thrived there with the Cowboys. And so I think when you look at that position and certain receivers, if you're a slot receiver and you land in the more ideal spot, you're going to thrive more so than guys on the outside. So I would probably keep a close eye on those uh, slot receivers that are entering the draft. Hey, Emery, tell us how you think that the uh, Patriots draft strategy 
might be affected by the news, of, of course, that uh, Gronkowski uh, retired. I mean, not only was he in his heyday, you know, the top uh, uh, target of of Tom Brady's, but uh, in the latter part of his career, he did a really good job uh, blocking for them, too. So uh, do you think that uh, are they going to be looking for, like, early in the draft for, uh, you know, wide receiver? Is is tight end uh, necessarily uh, on their radar? What do you think that they, they focus on first? I mean, they have tons of picks. Yeah, they have tons of picks, and I think they have luxury of really taking who they want when they want them um, and and won't let need dictate that. Now, with that said, you know, they, they could come away with three tight ends in this draft. And because I say three because you have – I grade them by three different positions, inline, flex tight end, H-back, and you can make a case that they could utilize all three. Now, they do have some guys on the roster that was there last year, like Ryan Izzo out of Florida State, um, Jacob Hollister, who – you know, they like a lot and they brought in Matt Lacoste their free agency and they already have Steven Anderson on, on the roster. So they have some yep. guys but if they have a chance to get a game breaker, um, I think they're gonna take the game breaker and, and then work with these guys that they already have on the roster that have already been familiar uh, with their system. I totally agree. I, I think they're sitting under thirty two, as Joe said, they have all these other picks. Last year they made some moves. They they grabbed Isaiah Wynn. And they grabbed Sony Michelle. They made moves in the first round. This year, if they feel like the tight end market is already passed by and they're not going to trade up because somebody else is thinking about taking Irv Smith and Hawkinson and Font are already gone, then I then they'll just move out of that pick memory and they'll acquire some more and they'll figure something out mid season. They'll just package those into getting a veteran tight end somewhere. Or you may see them take a chance on a defensive lineman that, that could be falling because of injury and not because of talent in Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State. That would be a perfect spot to take him and allow him to slowly come back and now you have a top-ten talent that you got to pick very too. Yeah, again, this is Emory Hunt uh, at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter. So, all right, we, we have to talk quarterbacks at least for a minute or two. Uh, now, now, Kyler Murray is – Gummed up the gummed up the works. I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. Is it a love affair? Are they driving up the price? I tend to think it's a love affair. If you're if you're asking me to pick what they're going to do, but they're they're playing both sides of it. Joe and I just spent 15 minutes talking about it. They're trying to shop Rosen and and evaluate Murray at the same time. But Drew Locke is now being described as arm talent that is off the charts, which is a highly overused term, but. Give me your sense of what you really feel about Drew Locke in particular. I, I like Drew Locke, but I, I, to me, I like Drew Locke like I like Derek Carr. You know, yeah, you know, they're a good player. You know, and, and and would I take Derek Carr top ten? Probably not. Um, but would I take him in the first round? Absolutely. So I think Drew Locke was being underrated by him is how better he got this year as far as situationally. Now he he was just really throwing the football. He was a see-it-thrower type of a passer last year. This year he picked and chose the spots where he wanted to be aggressive, and that's why you see the, the better completion percentage, the better touchdown-interception ratio, the low interception number. So he really got better, and that's a great thing because you want to see a guy trucking in the right direction heading into the NFL. So I do think he's a first-round pick. I, I also believe Will Greer's the first-round pick. Um the one guy I don't feel as though the first round pick will probably end up going is Daniel Jones out of Duke. So I do think if you get Drew Locke, you know, if you're Washington, 
your Miami, um, if you're even a team like New England at pick 32, if he's falling down the board like that, that those are some some teams that I look at it and say, hey, that that would be a good spot for Drew Locke. Even if you're Cincinnati, and you want to take a quarterback. I think Drew Locke could be a guy that you should feel comfortable with taking if you if you're ready to move on from Andy Dalton. So uh, continuing on uh, discussion about uh, quarterbacks, uh, I mean, I, I, you've probably been asked this on uh, numerous shows or whatnot, but what, what do you think uh, uh, Kyler Murray's chances of becoming a productive NFL quarterback are? You know, this obviously the discussion about uh, his height. I mean, the guy's got a tremendous arm, uh, tremendous uh, skill set and whatnot. Uh, do you think that he has what it takes uh, and, and what will it take for him to, to have success in the NFL? I think he definitely has what it takes. And, and I'm so glad we're, we're at the point now where we're talking about a 5'10 quarterback going number one overall. Uh, because if you follow football game plan since 2007, we have championed the thought that size is not a skill. And it's funny to see everyone start to come around to it when we've said this for over a decade now. And I think he's going to step in and, and play really well. I compared his game to Russell Wilson coming out of NC State. Um, the reason why I use that comparison is because when Wilson was coming out of NC State, uh, Wilson was, uh, you know, a little bit more of a of a scrambler, um, making plays off script and doing a lot of things outside the pocket. But when he went to Wisconsin, he was able to smooth out of his game and polish up his game and be a little bit more patient in the pocket and making throws. I think you're going to see that same type of transition for Kyler Murray. Now, he's going to have the luxury of doing it in the NFL. So I, I would say he's going to make a lot of splash plays as a rookie. He's going to be, he's going to be good. Um, where he has to get better is consistency on his, on his accuracy. I think he can get away from him a little bit. Deep ball, he's fine. But the short to intermediate stuff, it, it can get away from him. You saw a little bit of that at the pro day. Um, but mm-hmm. I still think he's a top 10 talent. Um, and I'm always big on quarterbacks that can make it an 11-on-11 game. And we saw him rush for 1,000 yards last year in the Big 12. I think that's the reason why you look at what he does, what Lamar Jackson did last year, uh, with guys like that that can buy time and, and make things happen. That's why you want a Kyle Murray. And then I'm not surprised to see him being talked about as a top pick. It's funny that you mentioned Russell Wilson transitioning to Wisconsin. It's it's amazing what a, a lockdown offensive line can do for you, right? It keeps you more patient, and it did allow Wilson to develop – his pocket passing ability. He's obviously an extremely mm-hmm. talented player, but moving from NC State, Emory, to Wisconsin, which NC State has developed some pretty good offensive linemen in their own right, but Wisconsin historically produces a ton of NFL offensive linemen, and I'm sure some of them played in front of Russell Wilson while he was a senior there. I, I guess, so that's point one. Point two, my only concern about Murray, or my major concern about Murray is the lack of starting experience. Those guys historically don't project well. Now, he is a very unique case because he is a uber-talented multi-sport star. So I think he's not going to be a deer in headlights. I don't see that happening to him because he's been able to carry himself in such a unique way. But I do get a little concerned I have to apply the same mentality to when I was worried about Trubisky to that I'm worried about Murray. I understand there's different talents there, but I'm worried about guys that don't have that many starts under their belt, Emory. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you do worry about that. You, you don't want to get a guy that's a flash in the pan. Um, but we've seen guys that have had one year of starting experience get drafted very high. And, and here's the thing with Mr. Trubisky, this is the guy I'm alluding to. Um, you look at Trubisky's one year at North Carolina, it wasn't – it was okay. I mean, it was 75. He had an okay touchdown interception ratio. I mean, he was decent. He had a good upset against Florida State. But he wasn't spectacular in his one year. So if you're spectacular in your one year, a la Cam Newton, a la what we've seen from Kyler Murray, what we've seen from Dwayne Haskins, I think you have a better chance of carrying that over because if you fall back to the mean, your mean is still going to be very good. When you had Trubisky, who was okay in NC, uh, North Carolina, go into the league and fall back to the mean, he was below average. So I think because they were so spectacular and because they do have the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card, which is their athleticism, it kind of helps the game slow down for them and helps them make the transition a lot easier because we've seen that the game sort of trek toward your quarterback better have some level of pocket mobility. And Trubisky has that, which is why he was able to have a better uh, season this past year with the Bears, and, and he was really able to get himself out of a jam a lot and extend plays and hit plays deep down the field. So if you have that get-out-of-jail-free card, it, it gives you an opportunity to, to let the game slow down and to get your passing up to where your running is as a as player. All right, so Emery, uh, you know, looking at a lot of these mocks uh, that are being done uh, ahead of the draft, I mean, you know, obviously quarterbacks uh, are, are, you know, projected to be taken, you know, a couple of wide receivers, lots of defense, uh, some offensive linemen. Uh, what about running backs in, in the first round? Uh, is, is basically uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, the guy that you think is going to go? I mean, are there more than one uh, running backs that you think that deserve to go in the first round? If there was one running back that uh, I would take in the first round, it, it would be Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Love him. Because <laughs> I am of the mindset, can you score from anywhere on the field? And that's the guy I want uh, running the football. And so if, if it's all about touchdowns and scoring points and, and uh, you know, putting the ball in the end zone, to me, that's the that's the guy you want. And I, and I know everyone is talking about Josh Jacobs. Uh, he has good talent. You know, but he he's a he's a guy that only averaged what uh, six six or seven carries a game. So I think he's probably best suited as a complimentary guy. But I do like the fact that you get a player like um, a Daryl Henderson who can legit be a Chris Johnson type um, player if given the opportunity because he has legit home run hitting speed. So if there was any running back in the first round, I would take uh, Daryl Henderson. Um, okay, last question for you. One guy either in the first round or sniffing around the first round right now that people are still just kind of sleeping on right now. Like maybe they get drafted late first round or second round, and you think, like, what? why are people not seeing that this guy's going to be a superstar? I would say Isaiah Buck is a defensive lineman out of Alabama. I just find it interesting when you watch Alabama play – Quentin Williams is excellent, but no one talks about number 49 that's out there disrupting things all the time. And I think Isaiah Bugs has a really good opportunity to be an impact player wherever he lands. He's probably going to be a second-round pick, um, but wherever he goes, he's going to be a, a guy that's going to make an all-rookie team uh, at the end of the season. I think he's got phenomenal talent.
Good stuff. So, uh, as always, you'll find every hunt here on Saturdays with us. I'll be uh, checking in with him for, for some more draft coverage here over the next month. Draft is only 25 days away. Find Emory on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Thanks for joining us, bud. We'll talk to you again soon. Anytime. Appreciate you guys. So Joe and I will be back after the break. We'll sort of comment on what Emery just had to say. We'll continue to talk through some of the NFL and the Gronk retirement. So it's Mike and Joe on FST. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. A little West Coast, old school West Coast rap. Right oh, yeah, that's like your street stuff. I love, uh, I love working with the, uh, I like uh, working with the Fantasy Prince. Yeah, yeah. Sean you never Engel. know what he's gonna cut. Yeah, you never know what he's gonna come up with next. I mean, uh, yeah, Sean Angle producing. Like uh, stuff. Rock. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He had a little, uh, a little NWA. From, yeah. That's right. We've gone from <laughs> NWA to Shaq Fu. We had some Dave Matthews earlier. It's uh, he's mixing it up. So, so good information there from Emery. You were telling me during Absolutely, the break yeah. that you're excited about the Daryl Henderson information. I will tell you that I've talked to Emery multiple times, and that is the guy that he thinks is projects the best at the next level. He is well-rounded as a running back, so he can catch passes. Obviously, that's a really important part of what you're trying to do in the NFL now is uh, have that running back passing game be an extension of your running game. So uh, you like the Daryl Henderson news. Why? I own him in a uh, dynasty league that I'm in. And, uh, hey, look, you know, here's a guy that's flying under the radar. You, you mentioned that uh, his uh, performance at the Combine uh, kind of was a little lackluster, wasn't uh, as expected. Uh, wasn't yeah, he's running a bad three times. Ex- yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you look at this guy, I mean, 8.2 yards per carry uh, over uh, three years of his college career. And uh, you mentioned, I mean, uh, also able to uh, catch passes out of the backfield. So I love to play in, you know, PPR league. So, um, you know, uh, looking forward to having him in my lineup this year. And, you know, I, when I asked um, uh, Emery in terms of like, you know, which uh, wide receivers uh, might be uh better apt to uh, adjust to the NFL. I mean, it seems that uh, with, with running backs, you know, it's a little bit easier for them to, to uh, be fantasy productive from, from day one, provided uh, th- that they use the correct way and uh, not part of a committee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, let me ask you how that in that league, so how does that work that you end up with Henderson? What when does he get drafted? How who's mm-hmm. eligible to be drafted? Explain how that works. For you have like a taxi squad of college players in addition to yes. Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. He right now he's on my uh, taxi squad. Uh, they uh, the uh, 
requirements uh, for uh, the uh, members of the taxi squad. They have to have two years or, or fewer of, uh, or they could be a college player uh, to be used. And uh, I drafted him. Uh, this is going to be the second year of this league. I ended up uh, drafting, drafting him uh, on draft day. Does somebody own Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback in that league? I'm curious uh, how how far people look out. Uh, I'd have to, you know, call up the league. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna, okay. I don't want to give you. It's a, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's, I want to put you on the spot, but uh, I'm just curious, like how forward thinking people are, because Trevor Lawrence isn't eligible to be drafted this year or even next year. But um, mm. you know, in, in 20, let's see, he's got one year to. Yeah, uh, yeah, he'll have to be the 2021 draft. So. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, it'd be the 2021 draft for him. So, uh, well, good stuff there. I, I Part of what you talked about is what I wanted to discuss in this segment, which is the Gronkowski retirement. It happened, it feels like a million years ago, but it happened on Sunday. Uh, it probably happened after your show on Sunday. So we've had a maximum amount of time yeah. to hear everybody's different takes on it. First of all, do you think that he would come back if he got a call from Tom Brady at some point uh, on the eve of the season or mid-season, or you think Gronk's really shutting it down? I would say ne- you never say never, you know. I think it was a good move on his part. Look, you know, he hasn't uh, been the same player uh, that we're used to seeing. And outside of uh, just, you know, the uh, on-the-field Gronk, you just want to make sure that this guy could uh, enjoy the rest of his life, right? But um, his agent didn't leave kind of like made you think that maybe uh, at one point the door might have been open uh, for that. And, and Gronk he is a free spirit. specifically left it open. Yeah, yeah. Drew Rosenhaus yeah, yeah. specifically left it open. Yeah, so uh, Gronk, like I said, Gronk is a you know a free spirit. I mean, you know, a lot of these athletes from uh, many sports, uh, you know, w- once they retire, they just can't replace the uh, you know the fire that they get from from you know from playing in the game. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. Um, so a couple things here. One, one you're right. Uh, Gronk's blocking is, was always a really strong part of his game. He's one of the greatest t- mm-hmm. blocking tight ends in the history of football. We just we tend to focus on the offensive production because this is a fantasy show. We're talking about fantasy in general. And, yeah, he wasn't the same player. He did look labored. Uh, he famously has not spent any of his salary or he claims he's, he's never spent any of his salary. He's really lived off of endorsements. So he's got a pretty good nest egg of money off of which to live. Uh, I honestly hope for his sake, and this isn't me being a Patriots hater of any kind. Uh, in fact, I think Gronk has been a ton of fun to watch. Uh, I think he he's always been kind of the genuine article. Uh, I think he's mixed it up with guys like Trey White from Buffalo and, uh, you know, taking cheap shots at him. I think these things sometimes happen in the context of a football game. But I don't think he was a dirty player. I think he had a lot of fun with it. I think he'll continue to have fun with whatever he wants to do, whether it's WWE or uh, whatever else he wants to do. He's not going to be a Shakespearean actor, but he might have some entertainment opportunities. So I, I honestly hope that he's done. It really did mm-hmm. look painful at times for him this year. He's had multiple back surgeries dating back to Arizona. He's had He had the forearm surgeries, which he had to have, I think, four surgeries because he got staph infections and all that kind of stuff. Um, Gronk really took a beating. He was the biggest, mm-hmm. best guy out there. But after a while, 
guys started to realize, well, the only way we're going to take him down is if multiple guys hit him as hard as they can. And it doesn't matter how big you are. Gronk, Cam Newton, I'm talking about you. It's going to take its toll over time. (laughs) Absolutely. It it takes a lot to take Cam Newton down, which means they do it. And they use everything in their power to bring him down. So it makes sense that guys like that break down over time as big as they are. They're not immortal. It's just I I would like to see Gronk try to remain as healthy as he can for the rest of his life and enjoy it. Yeah, like I said, I mean, look, you know, uh, uh, how old is Gronk? Uh, I think see, he's 30. He's what, uh, 29. Yeah, he's going to be 30, right? going to be 30. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of life left. And, you know, he needs to be able to uh, get out of bed and, and enjoy life. And, look, you know, like you mentioned, WWE, action movie star. Uh, maybe he'll be the new Terminator. Uh, but, yeah, so, sometimes. Uh, you know, could turn up in a uh, rock play. movie. There you go. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know, so, it just yeah. could be a sidekick in a, in a rock movie to start it out. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. So. All right, so as a Giants fan, you know, we talked about this a little bit before. Um, let's just say the Rosen thing doesn't happen. Let's just eliminate that. Okay. You think you think they take Dwayne Haskins or another quarterback there in the first round, or are they trading down? What are they doing now? You know, I, I was I was looking at some of these uh, these mocks, and some of them have them going after a, a defensive player. Uh, you know, at, at, at and then uh, later on, uh, going after a guy that uh, that Emory said he doesn't like uh, in uh, in Daniel Jones. So I think that if they don't, uh, you know, let's say make the trade for for Rosen, I think that they probably will draft a quarterback. And I'm I'm a little worried uh, because, like I said, I mean, this isn't the class you know of last season. So uh, you know. They, Emory didn't like Daniel Jones, but it just seems like, you know, from what you hear about this guy, uh, it might be the guy that they, they might end up looking towards. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, he's got the, the Eli and the Peyton, uh, uh, you know, the, um, um, the, the, the key to their, uh, the, their uh, college coach, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, David and, Cutcliffe, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I've met David I mean, Cutcliffe. Really I, I nice like... guy. He's a very he's a very thoughtful guy, and I think NFL people respect him a ton, which is why mm-hmm. they like quarterbacks coming out of his systems. Whether it's Peyton or Eli, you saw other guys from Duke uh, make it into the league, even if they weren't impactful. They were good roster additions as backup quarterbacks. So uh, I think that's the thought process here with Jones. He just had his pro day the other day. He ran a really good time. Not that that matters. I think people are just thinking Daniel Jones could be – I think NFL teams like guys like Daniel Jones. Pro-style quarterbacks, heady, can kind of get the job done. And they think that a heady player like that that does have physical tools can develop long-term into being a consistent starting quarterback. Whereas you, if you take the flash-in-the-pan guy, it's a huge risk. Yeah, and uh, you, you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned Haskins, right? I mean, uh, you yeah. love what he did at Ohio State, but he's just done it basically for one year. And, and you love right. his enthusiasm, you know, a Giants fan, a guy that grew up in Jersey. But, uh, yeah, I've seen uh, Jones described as basically a, a little bit more of an athletic Eli clone. So, yeah. you know, w- when you look at, uh, you know, the Maras and uh, That's not bad. their style. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you, yeah, you're getting a guy uh, – that's just a little bit more athletic uh, the, than Jones, and uh, you know, a guy that maybe. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're into the uh, right. whole yeah, right. Eli. Yeah. 
you know, uh, bringing him, bringing him in, and maybe uh, Jones just hanging out on the sidelines for a quarter of the season. That I don't could know. happen. Uh, that could happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do, I do think teams. There's no look. There's no magic bullet to figuring it out. Guys can sit like Aaron Rodgers did and become Hall of Famers. Guys can start right away, uh, like um, the Notre Dame quarterback Deshaun Kaiser. And may mm-hmm. never start another NFL game unless somebody gets hurt. You know, the right. teams do a lot of different things to ruin players or help them. Right now, I'm looking at three different mock drafts. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah. All three have Dwayne Haskins' number six pick to the New York Giants. So uh, I, I think they are overrating the uh, common sense that David Gettleman lacks, but uh, anything can happen. Maybe they come to their senses and they just decide to move on. I've said it before. I said I have to apply the same logic, whether it was Mark Sanchez or um, Mitch Trubisky or Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins. I do have concerns. It doesn't mean they can't be successful, but I have really major concerns about guys that haven't played that much, that haven't started that much. And Haskins is an mm-hmm. example. He had 50 touchdowns. They were great. But tell me all mm-hmm. the Urban Meyer quarterbacks that have been really successful in the NFL. That's a great point. That is a it's great Alex point. Smith. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. It's Tebow and and um, you know all these other guys, Cardale Jones. All, all these other guys really haven't been able to do much. So Urban Meyer wins, won a ton of games in college. Did he set guys up to be successful at the next level? I mean, I don't know. No. Uh, Alex Smith is really the only guy that has had a really long career. He's made a lot of money, and he's been successful, and I think people have actually historically underrated Alex Smith as far as his ability. doesn't mean he's perfect, but I thought he's been underrated slightly. And, you know, unfortunately, what's going on with him now it could be career ending. But nonetheless, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there isn't there isn't when when those two paths are crossing where he doesn't have a lot of experience. I'm talking about Haskins and mm-hmm. Urban Meyer hasn't produced a lot of successful NFL quarterbacks. And then those are two major points of concern. And I don't know. I'm not saying the Giants have to draft Haskins. I'm not even saying they have to draft a quarterback right there. I'm saying they need to address it now. So it can be Rosen. It could be Haskins. They can move down and then take Daniel Jones, that kind of stuff. They really need to be thinking about moving down in this draft with all the available defensive talent up there that teams want. I think they can they can move out of that pick and still get a quarterback that they like. So anyway, uh, that's it on the G-Men. Uh, the Pats, as you said earlier, they have a ton of picks. I don't think they definitely draft one of the tight ends, but I think they'll be looking at it. If they feel really good about one of those tight ends, it wouldn't surprise me if the Pats move up. They have enough draft capital that they can do it. Yeah, and uh, you know, we we like we mentioned, we discussed this earlier in terms of, you know, not what uh, Gronk had brought to the table wasn't just uh, you know a, a receiving target for Brady, but just uh, you know uh, having uh, somebody that has great blocking skills and uh noah fant from iowa he's been uh you've been reading about him in terms of his uh uh blocking skills using some uh refining a little bit but uh but he could be a, a top passing uh top catch passing tight end so you, you get to see which what direction uh they 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 want to go 
Yeah. To talk about my favorite team for a second. Um, yeah. I think they're going. Yeah. I think they're going defense. The Steelers. Uh, I'm seeing this. Uh, mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah. He's saying that it's Greedy Williams. Uh, I think there's, if I look at a couple of more mock drafts, they'll they'll talk about guys like the Steelers should try to move up and and pick. Uh, we'll see who McShay has right here. Uh, I'll look what he has. Um, Devin Bush, inside linebacker of Michigan. So I've heard that name a lot, been connected with the Steelers. Now, I don't know that, De- I doubt Devin Bush will be there at 20. Will the Steelers move up to take somebody like that? It really is. There's been so much drama with the Steelers, Joe. I'm surprised I don't hear this more. McShay actually mentions it here in his write-up. The Steelers started to fall apart the moment Ryan Shazier got hurt, Mm. which was two seasons ago. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. They played terribly down the stretch of that season, then get upset in the playoffs by Jacksonville. Then... They spend all of last year floundering. It was just a mess. You know, they they had Bell holding out, which was one drama. Yeah, the ongoing Antonio Brown saga. They were blowing games left and right, whether it's missed field goals against the Browns, four turnovers against the Broncos, losing to the Raiders, turning the ball over at the end of the Saints game. Like, all of those things contributed to... That was the type of team they are. I'm not suggesting they had bad breaks. They made a lot of mistakes. The Steelers were a mm-hmm. terribly mistake-prone team last year that couldn't get stops because their middle linebackers weren't good enough. And frankly, even though they've addressed the position of corner, they still continued to struggle there in the defensive backfield. They drafted a safety last year to try to get it fixed. In fact, Mike Tomlin threw Artie Burns, a former first-round draft pick, under the bus the other day. In a weekly press conference. So he's like, I'm not a little bit disappointed. I'm disappointed. He needs to be better. We need to see more out of him. So, you know, putting players on notice like that mean that they really don't like you. So this is your last shot. And it may work or the guy might get ticked off and leave like they had uh, Morgan Burnett do earlier this month. Just said he wanted out, so they ditched him. So anyway, middle linebacker defensive back that's where the Steelers are going I can I almost guarantee that I'd be surprised if they did anything else so uh, all right we'll come back uh, in hour number three get back to a little bit of baseball and the news of the day it's Mike and Joe on FST hour number three coming up thanks for listening on the fantasy sports radio network we'll be right back 